0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our low effort, low quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig, and this is my husband, Matt.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: So it was a big week. We had the midterms this week. We did a special on it. If you caught the bonus.
1: Yep. Patreon.com slash the about a 38 minute bonus episode. Really highly recommended. I also come up with a whole new electoral system.
0: Yeah, Matt had a whole new electoral system in there. Uh, so where else are you going to get that in the podcast world? Not just a rehash of uh, election results uh, or analysis of what they mean, but uh, a whole new system. Nowhere else. Not that I know. else that I'm familiar with. I've never heard of anywhere doing that myself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I haven't looked, listened to all the podcasts, so I wouldn't really know. But of the ones I've looked at.
0: Yeah. You're not going to get that on Slate's Gab Fest.
1: Uh, no, Mikey Barbaro's. That's the most popular podcast. Can you believe it?
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, New York Times, Mikey Barbro, where he says, excuse me, police, there are homeless people in the subway. The situation has become dangerous and unacceptable.
0: <laughs> God almighty. Okay, oink, oink on that. Uh,
1: that's, but that was, you know, I felt like, oh, that's bad, you know, like when I saw it, but when I saw the deer in the park, I had the same impulse. You were like, Excuse me, police. Excuse me, the situation become dangerous and unacceptable. There is a deer in the forest. This is actually for me to walk through. And this deer was uninvited and seems to think that he can just is he registered? Is he in does he have a birth certificate? All these questions.
0: And now he's just here and I'm here and there's like a proximity that I'm not comfortable with. Mm Mm-hmm so so place him under arrest get him the fuck out of here Mm -hmm. uh, before i call my private security firm so uh in other news this week uh it looks like mitt romney's gonna run in 2020
1: i didn't see that i saw him win the senate uh race in utah
0: some signs indicate some signs indicate okay well you know um good for him i guess know, we could. I mean, what do you think? How do you think he would do against Trump? Oh, he would get his ass kicked. Oh, no. You don't think people are like, uh, you know, what I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if there are enough, uh, like David Frums. He should run like that guy, the Eggman. Uh-huh. You know,
1: I'm talking about the Eggman, Mick, the guy, the Utah guy, Mick. You know the guy, the guy that ran third party? You can't just
0: call people Mix and Evan McS- Evan McMullen. Yeah, oh, Egg McMuffin. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, there are a lot of these guys who are just, uh, you know, kind of being the conscience of the GOP and making some money off of it. And um,
1: yeah, Evan McMullen got to go to the Vox conference, which I was not invited to.
0: As one of my uh, favorite uh, Twitter followers um, said. It's a great time to be a weird fucking grifter.
1: Well, you know, it's a golden speak, age for that. Speak from personal experience on that. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I'm uh, not. No, we, I provide high quality product. Yeah, this is high quality content. Uh, I mean, at the
0: very least, you're getting uh, you're getting what you ask for.
1: No. Yeah. Yes. The, the The definition of a grifter involves some level of deception, whereas, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the podcast is the podcast, so you know what it is.
0: So we have all the Christmas trees up, and I'm going to finish the Christmas decorating this weekend, put the garland up, a couple of wreaths, uh, get all the electrical situations sorted. I, these things need, some of them need like 20 batteries each uh, of different denominations. I like
1: the, the fact that decorations have these battery packs now. That yeah, makes that's them, really convenient. Yeah, then you don't have to run wires everywhere. Yeah. That's
0: kind of nice. I don't know if it that's good really for the
1: nice. environment or not. But Probably
0: not. Uh, but then, but then some of them still have cords and I got to figure out, you know, how to jerry rig that situation back there. It's going to be a nightmare, but I'm going to work on it. It'll probably involve a few power strips. Uh, we were going to paint over Jane's coloring on the walls where it is stained. Uh, but there was a failure in the handoff. I'd arranged between you and my mom with some paint supplies, but I guess I didn't tell you. Nope. So that was really on me at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, the house plants are blended in with the Christmas trees in my wonderful woodland forest. That's true. And they really seem to be enjoying themselves. Yes. The, the surviving plants okay. are the vast majority of the plants are fine. 60% of the plants are still living. Okay. Um, and not just living, they're thriving. And it's because Jane murdered. Well, we don't so need like to rehash this. Anyway, I suppose. We don't need to go back into that, but that's absolutely what happened. Uh, What else is going on? What else is going on around here? Hot topics wise. There was another mass shooting, of course. Yep. In California. We get
1: one a week probably of those. Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, it's just like, where was the mass shooting this week? Um,
1: I'm going to start a mass shooting magazine.
0: Yeah. You can just get articles from survivors. You'll never be hurting for content. Right.
1: Uh, You know, a periodical makes sense for Things that happen periodically.
0: You should just call it inevitability.
1: Well, I would probably call it mass shooting monthly.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that also works, uh, mass shooting monthly.
1: Yeah, I try to be literal with my stuff. I've had a lot of magazine ideas. I I
0: had no idea.
1: Yeah. I I think I would like to have... I think I would like to start like 20 or 30 like industry publications, <laughs> make like 10 K off of each of them each year, you know, and just live it, live large, you know,
0: I mean, that'd be one way to do it. Just kind of piecemeal a little bit at a time. you yeah, know. Yeah. Just
1: little industry niches, you know, that aren't being covered. Yeah. You know, sell them to the companies in those industries. Yeah. You know, get yeah. maybe a few like, Hey man, can you give me like, $2,000 a year or something for this, you know, but the big companies, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, that's my sort of idea I'm kicking around. I'm not a good salesman, though.
0: Uh, you know, you have a strange charisma, I have to admit. Well, uh, you know, all right then. Uh, you know, not to underrate it. I think it's very serious. In other news this week, I, uh, I was on Chapo.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, I did not get to see that, unfortunately, uh, because, you know, Jane was uh, acting a fool, as they say. Oh,
0: my God. She's been on a tear, man. Uh,
1: she's OK. But, you know, she was she was not cooperative while I tried to watch you on Chapo's. So I, I did like hear them laughing. So I assume it went well.
0: She's like um, she's like, you know, the squirrels get all frisky in the fall. She's extra frisky lately, I feel. Yeah, you know. She's got some frisk in her. Uh, yeah, the Chapo appearance went well. Huge honor always. Uh, rest in peace, Kush Bomb. Uh, he did die during that uh, transmission.
1: Well, he wasn't on the bonus episode that released today. So he perhaps he's, he's in the, he's the hospital. Because he's
0: dead, honestly. I mean, yeah, he, he, uh, he will be missed.
1: Yeah, He'll for sure. Dearly missed. For sure. One of
0: the best. One of the best. I would say the goat. The goat definitely the mvp of the dirtbag left on midterms election night uh unbeatable he wound up on Breitbart the next day that's legendary absolutely um
1: he's living his best life he I absolutely feel like.
0: is he'll uh, he'll be he'll be remembered fondly rest in peace brother Lux aeterna all right and uh and we watched a movie
1: Yes, um we did multiple movies actually. We watched a
0: lot of movies. We watched a lot of good movies. I, you watched Calvary with me?
1: Mm-hmm. It's he, about um uh, did you know that sometimes in war No, it's not about a
0: cavalry. They used
1: to ride on horses no, and they not, would no, fight sword no, battles. Not about a cavalry. on the horses. You'd think, well, no. just get off no. the horse and maybe you'd be but no, they would just no. ride around and
0: Sometimes cavalries were actually armed with rocks, and they would shoot
1: guns from arrows, the horses. But that's absolutely Seemed like a gimmick to me. No, like it's not a gimmick. Get off the horse, man! I mean, I can understand using the horse to get from point A to point B, but riding them into battle—I mean, what are we doing?
0: Cavalry.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: No, not the cavalry.
1: The fifth cavalry no, unit.
0: Okay. All right. Anyway, fantastic movie. Brennan Gleason. Uh, really, really excellent. Highly recommended, especially if you like Silence. Um, sort of a, you know, good accompaniment to that film. Uh, it came out prior. Um, I, it was good it's stuff. the prequel. It's not a prequel. They're unrelated. Oh. Um, it, you know, except by theme and content.
1: Well, there you go. Prequel um, then. Well,
0: no, because they're not the same storyline. I mean, they
1: both happened in real life.
0: No, they didn't. Um, silence is based on events that happen in real life. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But Cal- Calvary didn't. Um, oh. And then, uh, and then we watched a film called generation Health.
1: Yes. By miss Lauren Greenfield.
0: Matt has engaged her, uh, her entire opus at this point. Yeah, I, I haven't bought any
1: of her books yet. That might be the next stage.
0: Yeah. I didn't know she had books.
1: That's her main thing. She just publishes these books full of photos.
0: Okay, so like, so she's like a photojournalist as well as a documentarian.
1: She's mainly a photographer, but then they make her do these documentaries from Very time cool. to time.
0: We should get this lady on the cast because her work is amazing. Uh, she's uh, she's sort of a um a documentarian of American excess. She's just following the decline closer than anyone else I've ever seen.
1: Yes, When she has, a, yeah, she has a movie movie called kids plus money which is about yeah kids mostly affluent kids though she does round it out with some poor kids and you get to see how uh how that affects them in los angeles yeah uh uh, she has a whole series of photos she did on affluent kids in la in the 90s that was i guess her first big thing um she's done stuff on plastic surgery (laughs) She's done stuff on eating disorder. She's done stuff she on... She did the Queen of Versailles. and Queen of Versailles. was yeah. That was her movie. Um, and then money. And th- this is like the culmination of all that. And she kind of explicitly says... Yeah. Generation Wealth, I should say, is the name of the movie. Generation Wealth, yeah. Is explicitly like, oh, I could kind of piece all of these together and understand this as like excess. And we could kind of call all of these things wealth in the sense of positive quantities yeah. that our society reinforces and that people accumulate to in a in, uh, completely unhealthy degree yeah. whether that's money or body modification or uh status or whatever
0: yeah it was pretty amazing and there's a personal story she kind of turns the camera on herself a little bit uh, which is very unflinching. It's uh, yeah, she doesn't pull any punches no, about herself. She,
1: she basically says, I- "I'm actually uh, doing workaholic. this as well because, <laughs> yes, in <laughs> this movie and really my whole body of work, I've kind of neglected my my family to some degree in search of my own professional status."
0: Yeah, really amazing. It's really amazing. And so you know, what there it, it's it's basically the interwoven stories of several different people who she's documenting their lives over many years. And your favorite was the guy who winds up in a German prison. Yeah.
1: Well, he he both appears to have been in a German prison, uh a Florentine prison? Is that what you call Florence? <laughs> um and and now calls Germany itself a prison because he can't leave Germany else risk being uh, (laughs) scooped up by the American authorities and brought home and charged with all sorts of crimes. Uh, So that's that's his life.
0: And he gives uh, he go he's interviewed in in the present, you know, at the time the film was being made, but he gives this whole overview of his life prior to that moment where he's lost everything. And he starts out sort of very shamelessly talking about how his mentality was when he was managing these funds and making huge amounts of money. At great risk, not caring who he hurt or crushed in the process. And he's like, yeah, greed's good, you see? And then uh, he's talking about his mistress. He's like, yeah, I had a mistress. It was cool. She was hot and young, unlike my wife. Yeah. And she loved money, unlike she lo- my yeah. wife.
1: Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that was the distinguisher was you, you recognize that his wife is basically wants uh, him to... Uh, spend time with her and he wants a more transactional relationship. Right. <laughs> and so the mistress provides that. Um,
0: and he's completely shameless about it. And then by the end of his story about his life, he's lost everything.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he's lost. He can't see his family cause they're in the U S and he can't leave Germany. Uh, he, I assume has lost all of his money. Maybe he has still lost some of it. I, I don't really know how he uh, pieces that together. Um, one other tidbit from this guy was that, and they, they get to interview his son throughout. Is you learn that he uh, brought his son to Amsterdam to yeah. lose his virginity to a at Dutch fifteen. Brothel. Yeah, to uh, f- to a prostitute. Um, and you see them interviewing uh, his son about this, and and his son's girlfriend is sitting yeah. there, and she's kind of mortified. And she it's, just it's looks quite so alarmed.
0: A, it's very alarming.
1: Yes, um, yeah, it was a very well done uh, shot uh, <laughs> to <laughs> get that.
0: Her, her horrible look on her face, the poor woman. Uh, and then uh, our uh, old, uh, our old obsession back when I was in college—if you remember—when we would hang out when you were in law school and I was in college, we would watch *Toddlers and Tiaras* all the time.
1: Yeah, that—not uh, e- *Honey Boo Boo*, but one of the lessers
0: Eden Wood. Eden who, Wood, who was at the top of the *Toddlers and Tiaras* universe. Oh, yeah. She was really, she dominated the, the baby okay. pageant circuit.
1: Yes. And uh, she was at the top of it qua a toddler in T.R. Whereas Honey Boo Boo was funny, even though she was not as successful as yeah, a no, toddler. No, Honey Boo Boo
0: was just people making fun of poor people. Uh, but Eden Wood actually won lots and lots of these pageants. And she would go places and people would want her to sign an autograph, which as far as I knew, she would just kind of scribble because she couldn't write. Really, <laughs> <I'd be like laughs> Jane. Really sick. Um, and she's now just a little girl and seems kind of uncomfortable with it. Um, she seems to have missed out on her childhood to quite a degree. Yeah.
1: Or at least that, that chunk of it. I mean, thankfully they got it before, you know, I think she's like eight or something. So she's she's still got some time, but yeah, she missed, she missed the, those years, three to three to eight or whatever.
0: And she, um, she just seems uncomfortable with it all uncomfortable with the level of exposure
1: yeah and her mom regrets it yeah
0: then there's the um see other other notable characters there is the female hedge fund manager that,
1: that she is the most interesting character She's really vibrant and very uh the most depressing character I feel really really bad. Um, and her. this is one that she really did that lauren greenfield had been tracking for like 15 years yeah,
0: she, she interviews her over several years yeah
1: well i think i and yeah and i actually think that she was tracking all these people for many years it's like a bizarre thing where yeah. somehow like lauren greenfield knows how to find people who are uh, in the moment, seem to be doing okay, but Lauren is able to sit there and go, yep. This, this is this, going to
0: hell in a handbasket. This
1: fucking house of cards is about to collapse <laughs> into a, I wish an I, absolute train she wreck. Should,
0: she should, Lauren should set up a service where she she like fortune tells for people. Like based she, yeah. on my intuition, your life's going to go to shit. She in about should be 10 a life years. coach,
1: and you just come to her, and she kind of checks you out, and she's yeah. like, Yeah, no, no, you would be a great documentary subject, which is yeah. to say, you really you want you want to maybe stop doing what you're doing. Yeah, you take a step uh. back there. But
0: so this woman, this woman is a hedge fund manager. She's in New York. She makes a huge amount of money, and she's decided she's never going to date or marry a man who makes less than her.
1: Yes, that was one of her uh, things, and I mean that wasn't the only constraint on her, you know, meeting someone. I think she also just, you know, was a workaholic busy. And, and yeah, was real into that. So we game. find
0: her around forty.
1: That is, uh, yeah, the contemporary her is in her forties, maybe mid forties. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. And she's, she's now trying to have a kid, a child. And Um. so she's
0: like, uh, I've, I always wanted a family. I just never had time. Couldn't find a guy who made more than me. She eventually finds a suitable guy. And then when they start having a, trying to have children, she's of course past the age where that's easy.
1: Oh yeah. She's past any normal fertility. I mean, so
0: she starts doing IVF.
1: Yeah, they Which do is, five cycles of IVF. Did
0: she say it was like five hundred thousand dollars, or she something. said a hundred thousand, I think,
1: for for all five. Gosh.
0: Um and it's so it's it's extremely expensive. It's very invasive. It's sort of hard on her body. Yeah, and hard they, on
1: their social life. They said they can't go
0: out or do anything, or like obviously she can't drink, or like She's you know trying
1: have, all sorts of gimmicks. Yeah, and she was she, was she was
0: like I read somewhere that it increases your fertility chances to get a Mayan fertility massage. I went and got a Mayan fertility massage. And so all this stuff, you know, and then, and then they all fail.
1: Yeah. But then she says one of her colleagues said, you can use my surrogate, which I, uh, they don't mm. dwell on that phrase, but it's a little bit troubling. Um, so she
0: hooks <laughs> up, she hooks up with this uh, woman who is an elevator uh, caller. Yeah. She manages an elevator in a building. Yeah. And is a surrogate also for some spare money and has a children of her own.
1: Yes. And, yes.
0: and so, uh, she appears to be doing pretty well with this money, which is, uh, you know, with this side job, which is, you know, maybe kind of its own commentary, but, um, she agrees to, to, uh, surrogate for this woman whose husband then leaves her. Her husband leaves her,
1: um, after the kid is born. Like, yeah. Very shortly. So so the surrogate takes it. The surrogate is like, Oh yeah, this lady's super controlling. You go through that bit, like, yes, obviously this lady is completely anal and out of her mind. Yeah, she would call the surrogate um, and be like,
0: Don't stand in front of the microwave. <laughs> and Don't then drink out
1: of styrofoam cups. The kid comes three months premature and that's its own ordeal. But the child's the okay. Husband lives, the child is okay. Or the husband leaves. Yeah. The child is okay and now she's.
0: And there's one point you know, in the interview where this woman's reflecting on her life and she's sitting on a, like, a kind of divan type thing or like a futon and just lays down with, like, her head <laughs> in her <laughs> hands. Yes, just, she, like, you reflecting get to see on her. everything she's been through. And yeah. How hard it's all been. Just oh, like and uh, a grind.
1: when the surrogate's giving birth, remember the...
0: She screams at the doctor <laughs> and is like, what medical school did you go to? And the doctor's like, I don't know. I went here. And she's like, that doesn't work for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> <And he's laughs> like, listen, lady, I'm all you got. <laughs> uh, That's remarkable. But uh, I mean, and then there's the, there's the, there's the woman who starred in, in porn.
1: Yes, I don't remember her name. The Charlie Sheen was the thing that kind of broke her yeah. when she was twenty-one.
0: She had been, yeah, I guess dating Charlie Sheen, and then and she had oh, been. I think some he,
1: he paid her thirty thousand dollars. Like you could, they showed the check that he. Yeah. Paid. I think he just paid her as a prostitute. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and she had been uh, in some adult films. Yeah. She does a film, and this is where the this this part of the podcast is not family friendly. So if you got little ears around, you might want to cover them. Uh, but she she did a uh, I think a uh, what is the uh, you you would know better than me what
1: <laughs> a bukkake
0: yes it's uh, so one of Matt's favorite uh, wow. genres of porn um, and and uh, she got salmonella from Th- that
1: that's what she said yeah
0: foodborne illness some and and, and so she got very sick I guess that
1: is the definition of excess mm. you know in yeah. that area
0: yeah that's a good observation thank you yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she gets really sick and she's just not happy and she gets pregnant and she gets really excited about having the baby and then loses it. Um, which is also really heartbreaking. I felt really, really, really bad for her. Um,
1: she's at the end. She's, uh, back in, uh, back home. She works in a tanning salon and she appears to sleep. She appears to have a bedroom that is just a closet that like was a closet. And like, that, that's where she so she was uh well they say like the penthouse of a really fancy la yeah uh and then now she's sleeping in a closet and lauren Gre- greenfield's uh, on the ride the whole time you get her photographing her when she's 21 and, what did and she says she so. was like
0: she did well in in porn because she appeared to be a f- like 14 year old Yeah, she, she had she, a very petite figure she, yeah and that's why she did so well she was able to market that um she seems like... I mean, I feel I just feel really bad for her. She stuck with me the most. Because she just seems like a really nice
1: Yeah. Well, and then there's person. the lady. This was another one that was picked from the get-go. But you get to see the trajectory. Um, who gets plastic surgery. Yeah. She, her, she goes to Brazil, gets plastic surgery. The plastic surgery seems to work okay. Uh, her parents help her, I think. Yeah, they um, give her a little money. But she comes home... And then This is a working class person. This is not a rich person. Right, right, right. But she's she's chasing the dream nonetheless. Yeah. Um her parents stop helping her with money on the assumption, I guess, that yeah, I think she said she was a bus driver, but like, well, if you can afford plastic surgery, then I guess you're okay. Then but she's not okay. She can't afford rent or whatever. She's out on the street, her parents take custody of her kids, she's sleeping in her car, uh one of her kids gets into uh i think uh oh well, i guess com- is it alcohol poisoning or suicide yeah, i think it was a suicide it was a suicide so one of her kids then commits suicide her kid doesn't live with them anymore lives with her parents and it's just like phew.
0: it's just really hard and it, all these people emerge in some way I was really, really sympathetic. I mean, even if they're even yes. the, even the hedge fund managers, the people who start out with huge amounts of money being very sort of glib and unfeeling, you end up feeling like it's been as much of a horrible grind on them emotionally and psychologically as anyone. Yes.
1: It's the yeah. you know, I mean, what conjures up to me the whole movie is like basically about the hamster and the experiments that they Figure out how to tap into the hamster's brain and trigger the uh, reward mechanism in the brain, the dopamine or whatever it is that, like, uh, you know, is the reward function, the reward center. And they make it to where the hamster can push a button and trigger that. And the hamster just. (laughs) pushes it again and again and again. And, and I think in the study kills itself uh, <laughs> just by just by hitting pleasure, 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 pleasure. Like every single one of these people is the same thing. They mm-hmm. have found some niche in society where they get rewards. They're unable to recognize that those rewards are not actually beneficial that there's something dysfunctional in society that's rewarding that. And not, but so, but then nonetheless, because it's triggering the reward center, they just go as hard as they can. The hedge fund lady trying to make as much money as she can without any regard for, you know, time, time and all that people in her life, the plastic surgery person. Oh, if I can make myself, you know, beautiful. more physically, I can have a piece of this dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the porn person, I mean, On and on down the line is the same story over and over again. But, you know, like at the end of the day, (laughs) they all get zapped to death, basically. It
0: reminded me there was a study that Margaret Atwood referenced in the novelization of The Handmaid's Tale. I shouldn't say novelization because it's just a novel that has a show made out of it. So it's not a novelized version of the show, but the other way around. But The Handmaid's Tale, the novel, she talks about um, an experiment they must have done in the 80s with pigeons where like they could peck a button and a piece of corn would come out every time. And then they switched it up to where if you peck the button, only sometimes did the corn come out. And then they changed it again to where if you peck the button, corn never came out. And they would rather like peck themselves to concussion than give up on the possibility of getting a corn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah and it's like you know this is going to hurt there's going to be a lot of risk there's going to be a lot of danger but it's like i got to go for that i got to go for the pleasure i got to try right I, and everything else falls by the wayside and it and it beco- you know it just dominates you and i mean i see it in myself as much as anyone it was really hard it's a really good film. Yeah,
1: no, it's a very, it's really good, and and throughout there's a actually a really good choice, but somewhat strange. And I don't know about their the particular relationship, but Chris Hedges uh, pokes his.
0: Uh, yeah, Chris Hedges <laughs> is whipping ass Chris throughout he- this whole thing. He's completely Chris awesome. Chris
1: Hedges is sitting in uh in his in his gentlemanly study, yeah. uh, opining about the decline of civilization that uh, uh occurs when you have massive wealth. It's and all over about how. Late capitalism yeah. is uh has pornified everything and destroyed uh you know completely yeah. raised over everything that has any
0: meaning. it's <laughs> just it a just completely a moral valueless landscape yeah of, of just uh, uh yeah porn and excess and uh i mean it's really it's his really is warm. the
1: only voice aside from the characters lauren yeah. greenfield herself talking from time to time and then Chris Hedges just popping in, sitting in, you know, almost smoking like a pipe or something, just being like, "Mm, yes, of course, yes, this is what happens, Uh, you know, the entire society goes to shit, Uh, you know. uh, It's just like Rome. Uh, (laughs) It's really good. That was a really good choice. It Um, was really
0: good. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Uh, Love Chris Hedges. Uh, And I I really like this film. It was very moving. And I think it makes a very robust critique of, of of not just capitalism as a system, but capitalism I- as a social form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't just. It's yeah. not like
1: charts or no charts or or anything like so that. it's
0: amazing that Matt watched like it. I would do. But <laughs>
1: uh, it just yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah those are the things. Um, yeah, it's generation wealth. Um, I. I believe it's an, an Amazon only thing, so you'd yeah. ha- you have to get Amazon Prime and pay the $3 or whatever. But uh,
0: Peck that button, bitches. It's worth it. It is.
1: Um, and then Kids Plus Money is on Vimeo, and you can pay $3 for that. It's like 30, 30 yeah. minutes. Just just It's just the kids aspect of it. Um, not of that movie. It's a separate thing, but it kind of plays into the same, uh, same uh, topics and whatnot.
0: So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about this week, Matt, is uh, I was surfing on the Twitter the other day and I saw that the pharmaceutical company Merck had decided not to produce uh, a large quantity of vaccines free for children uh, in countries that have low vaccination rates. They had previously done that. They're not doing it now. Uh, I believe that is uh, that is the case. Uh, Very shitty of them. Uh, and, uh, and as I looked into their uh, Sorted little awful history I realized that they had been nationalized During World War I I did not know that This was a new thing Act. for me Yeah uh, and, uh, they Wait they
1: were nationalized Because they traded with the enemies?
0: That was the argument Yeah Hell and yeah Yeah Kick ass Anyway they eventually You know Mr. Merck or whatever Bought the company back from the state um, That always happens oh, always I always let wouldn't go wouldn't, of them I wouldn't No and, uh, once
1: you get a company Under state ownership yeah hold on man hold on tight. they should have held on to all those banks yeah they should have held on to gm we, we had a moment in here this damn
0: pickle now
1: absolutely after 2008 when they nationalized gm they sort of na- i mean i don't know they didn't nationalize the banks and and exactly it's more like loans and whatnot but they should have um, done equity injections, which would allow them to n- nationalize the banks and just hold on to them. Just be like, nope, you guys had your go and you failed. So it's our yeah. company now.
0: You've lost your privileges. But anyway. instead
1: they bring them up. They, they they rehabilitate them. Yeah. And then they just give them back out. It's just crazy. And no one ever says, wait a minute. We took on GM at its lowest point. Now we're giving it back out. Why don't we hold on to it? It's our company. We built the damn thing from basically nothing at this point. Yeah, But that's that's not even on the on the table for discussion
0: yeah and so i got to thinking you know a good way to keep Merck in line if it's going to start getting tardy and refusing uh to serve the common good would be to nationalize it
1: nationalization you know it's an underrated uh instrumental policy i feel like these days you know maybe it was overused a little bit in the mid-century uh mid-century western europe france and the uk (laughs) i don't know but uh maybe it's underused now maybe you know maybe it's uh, maybe there's a goldilocks level of nationalization and nationalization threats that we have that's uh, the
0: point it's the threat of nationalization It's the practice of nationalization that lets companies know that the possibility is on the horizon. And if they stop meeting their duties as participants in the common good, they're going to get fucking nationalized.
1: Yes. Yes. The, the interesting thing about nationalization is that aside from, yeah, it's fun to have the government buy up a company and now we all own It isn't that cool. Um... But the underrated thing about it that I don't think it's a whole lot of discussion is it can be an instrument for self-regulation. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, we talk a lot about regulation. Do we have too much regulation? Do we have too too little? Can we create a competition authority that can sort of micromanage the corporate sector to make sure that anti-competitive developments are quashed and so on? Like We have all this discussion about how to regulate, how to regulate, how to regulate, And, you know, one of the things that emerges from that discussion, if you uh, pay close attention to it, is that regulation is really difficult. You know, you come up with a thing and you're like, all right, here's a rule and we're going to fix this problem. And then, you know, all the clever, you know, son of a bitches and uh uh, corporate sector, you know, they figure out a way to get around it, right. or, you know, it's like you're, it's a constant whack a mole problem, and then technologies change and you got to update the regulations. It's a, it's a pain in the ass to try to do it. Um, and then, of course, you know, sometimes you have a hostile government that doesn't even want to <laughs> enforce the regulation. I mean, you know, it's a mess. Right. But what if you could, you know, what if they would just like behave? This is sort of a, you know, like what if we didn't have to create all these elaborate rules and they just like stopped being such like pieces of shit? And of course, if you present that, people will say correctly, well, why on earth would they stop being pieces of shit? And you're like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. You can't like moral suasion doesn't work with these guys. But nationalization threat might. If it becomes yeah. not understood that if you behave like this, regardless of whether it's legal or not, regardless of what the rules say or don't say, that if you behave like this, the government might just snap, nationalize you, uh, with with you know compensation, but nonetheless the thing's going to be pulled out from under you. Then that creates a level of uncertainty where you know the company might yeah. respond by saying, "Hey, let's do things that are above board." That whether it's legal or not would be defensible to the public, so that no one would ever want to nationalize us.
0: Right, play ball. Yeah,
1: so it's yeah, it's like a, what do they call it? It's you know, it's a Damocles' sword. It's the uh, sword of Damocles <laughs> hanging above yeah. your head. Yeah, right.
0: It's a situation where it's like, look, part of your uh, mandate as a corporation is not just to make money for your shareholders, right? That's that's bullshit. Part of your mandate as a corporation is actually to participate and contribute to the common good of society as a whole. And if you cannot do that, or if you're actively militating against the common good, then we're going to nationalize you and we're going to help you. Right. Contribute uh, to the common
1: right. good. Right. And, and and not even to say, okay, how much money should go to shareholders, how much money shouldn't, but basically to say, if, if you're making money in a way that is antisocial. Right. Exactly. Um, like unrelated to, okay, how much do you pay for this or that? But like, if you've, if you're basically trying to trick people, you yep. If you you know if you if that's sort of the game you're into, then you might find yourself nationalized. yeah, that uh, I think is a very interesting threat. and you don't say what you know what the precise conditions are or anything like that because this goes to another point um, that is uh, very similar to this, but maybe a little bit less extreme, which is the idea of you know legal certainty or regulatory certainty. There is a kind of consensus among, I would say, even like liberals and conservatives and maybe even myself a few years ago before I started getting more involved in this stuff where I would have said, yeah, it's important that the laws be clear. It's important that the regulations be clear, that people understand what they're allowed to do and not do. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, you know whether we have social ownership or private ownership or whatever, like the administration of, of the economic rules need to be clean and clear and that sort of thing. Yeah. And what I've kind of started to shade towards instead is a recognition that, in fact, if you make the rules super, super clear, people will go right up to the line of what they're allowed to do. But if you make the rules a little fuzzy and you say i don't know maybe that's legal maybe it's not then people might respond by being more careful by operating in safe harbors as it's sometimes you know uh said like you don't know exactly where the rocks are that's going to destroy your ship uh so it's best just to stay where you know things are safe and where you know um And this is sort of a a flavor of uncertainty, right? We don't have rules of what's going to cause a government to nationalize you, but know full well that if you start doing stuff that pisses people off, that's going to be a risk. So, you know, it's a constant thing to say, let's stay in safe harbors. Let's not do anything that is, you know, could risk this possibility. Um, I think that's a very interesting argument. I've never seen the case like, I don't know, an academic try to model like well actually maybe regulatory uncertainty promotes pro social behavior by you know uh, incentivizing people to operate in safe harbors instead of push right against the edge of what's legal um, but it makes intuitive sense and you know
0: might as well give it a try it's possible
1: and yeah. it might not be the kind of thing you can model or prove but you know i think it's 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 reasonable at least that it might work that way at at the very least There are gotta be both pros and cons to regulatory uncertainty, and right now, people are just like, oh, there's a con because people don't wanna get involved in business if they don't know if their business is gonna survive, and so on, and and I feel like you at least need to make the contrary case and say, okay, maybe that's a downside, but there's also an upside that people don't do really stupid, uh, morally outrageous shit (laughs) where there's uncertainty because they know that that might militate against the survival of their business
0: it's at least worth giving a try maybe cut back on some of that uh generation wealth excess type shit perhaps you know we could at least we could at least try it it's never been tried never been tried
1: we well try. I mean perhaps I mean arguably it was tried in the middle of the last century uh, yeah, in try, Europe'
0: tried again here in the United States
1: and it was reasonably successful I suppose um, I don't know maybe things have always been scammy it just feels like there's a lot of scamming going on these days that perhaps was not as you're like always on guard constantly. Yeah. Like, Oh, is this company's legit? Um, you know?
0: Yeah. Any, any amount of exposure you have, especially to, um, you know, anything more than surface level observation of what's going on around you, whether it's reporting on this stuff, uh, in the news or, or for an industry publication, the more concerned you are that everything you're encountering is this big scam because so much of it is very disturbing. More coming for you soon uh, this week on the Catholic church. Uh, Very disturbing stuff going on there. I will be publishing on. And uh, if you're in DC, I'm going to be doing uh, an event at Kramer books on the wonderful socialist writer, Mark Fisher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then I will be doing an event also this month at CUA on the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church. Uh, That's so the
1: Catholic University of America. That is, and so in uh, Brooklyn, New York City.
0: No, Brookland. Oh, DC. It's neighborhood of DC. Uh, and so come see us and uh, and say hello.
1: Please do, unless you're weird.
0: You're weird well, guy. weird in a good w- weird in a way. Weird bad in a good way. way, I can take. Weird as in like armed. I would rather mm-hmm. maybe just stay at home. Yeah,
1: just just tweet at me. Just about how I'm stupid, or, or you're gonna murder
0: me, or whatever. Tweeting is fine. Just yeah, like don't yeah, do it yeah. in real life, please. Yeah. All right. See you next time. Uh. Okay.